Abolition. Abolition. Had a little, we had a little fight, argument, like families have arguments. The cops never came the first time when we called them for help because we was all out here arguing with him. They already know how shit Shalik was. The second time around, Shalik came back in the house. He was arguing with us. I was in the room with him. His sisters, his sisters and my niece, they were arguing. That was fine. They got a little rustling and everything. I stopped it. I told everybody to get out of the house. I hope my son. I was talking to my son. I know how to control my son. He was calming down. Everything was getting fine. And to the police, I don't even know if it was the police. They put the shining lights in the window. I never saw the cop that hit my son. And at the end of the day, I would like to look at his face and ask him, why did he shoot my son? Why did he shoot my son? around here. I'm respected around here. I never did nothing wrong to nobody. Everybody has their ways. Everybody has problems. But the nation needs to know someone come out and help me. Any activist, I don't care who you are. I need you to help me. This needs to stop in Harrisburg. I've been here 17 years and this is getting worse and now it hits my home. It has to stop. Anything that's going on with mothers, whatever, come to me. I will be there. I will be in any kind of committee or whatever. It happened to me. I know how it feels. I never knew how it feels. I got five kids. That was my baby son. He has a two-month, he has a two-year, two, two-week-old baby. And it's just a dog on shame. It did not have to happen like this. And I hope everybody tells the truth. Do not be lying. You tell me it gets better. It gets better in time You say I pull myself together Pull it together You'll be fine Tell me what the hell do you know What do you know Tell me how the hell could you
Till it happens to you You don't know How I feel How I feel tribute to grieving mothers from Lady Gaga, entitled, Till It Happens to You. Peace and welcome to Abolition Today, a weekly syndicated online radio program with a specific focus on modern slavery as it is practiced through the 13th Amendment of the United States Constitution and by for-profit prisons worldwide. We air live every Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 Central, and 4 Pacific. Live streams and archive podcasts are available at abolitiontoday.org. Abolition Today is available on all major podcast platforms and is simulcast on the Black Talk Radio Network. My name is Yusuf Hassan. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Max Parthas. Peace, Max. Uh, peace, Brother Yusuf. I'm here at the Paul Coffee Abolitionist Center in Sumter, South Carolina. Uh, I want to give a quick shout-out to Brother Sean Darlin, who held it down for you last week real well. Absolutely. Appreciate him. Absolutely. Thanks to the comrade, always there for us. Uh, so I'm broadcasting uh, this week uh, from my bunker. <laughs> you know where that is, Max. <laughs> I'm bunker. safe and sound behind my bunker. Let's say it that yep. way. And L-Pat as we begin the show, yeah, exactly. As we begin the show, I'd like to say happy Mother's Day to all of the mothers out there, including my mother. I spoke to her this morning and, you know, my usual, I call her up singing, I'll always love my mother, and she's just, you know, extremely thrilled to hear that every year of me doing that. And uh, and then we have tonight's show, Max. We have, you know, tonight's show. Uh, so last week, although I wasn't here and Sean held it down, the topic was uh, Paper Tigers. And you discussed the DOJ investigation into the Minneapolis and St. Louis police departments, just like they investigated Ferguson, Alabama, and Ohio, with no real results. We also learned that the International Criminal Court put out a report that states uh, U.S. police killings of blacks are a human rights violation and a crime against humanity. We also listened to a discussion from Dr. Joy James, uh, professor of the humanities and professor of political science during the Mellon Soria Seminar on Contemporary Political Struggle, Abolition, I guess is against communism. Dr. James really stood up for the slavery abolitionist movement 
during that. Uh, I encourage everyone, you know, to go back, listen to that episode, Paper Tigers, that aired last week, because you've got to hear this smackdown of academia and academics regarding abolition as a philosophy versus uh, literal slavery abolition. And our topic tonight, Max, is Viloma. And Viloma is a Sanskrit word that means against the natural order. It took years of pondering, research, and discovery for the word Viloma to come into the forefront. It's used to describe a person whose child has died. It's a complicated uh, concept wrapped up in a small but powerful word. It meaning, its meaning of, uh, embodies everything that is uh, when a parent has to bury their child. It goes against a natural order. The, you know, the natural order being usually it's the child that buries, buries the parent. And we have uh, Carla Holloway, who's a James B. Duke professor of English at Duke University, coined the term after suffering the loss of a child and discovering that there was no word that gave meaning to a parent whose child has died. And that's according to uh, Dr. Alejandro Vasquez, uh, J.D., in uh, Connecticut. So, again, on this Mother's Day 2021, we provide a platform and listen to the voices of mothers suffering unspeakable tragedy within a system of legalized slavery. Uh, parental warning, trigger warning, you know, there's going to be a lot of adult language and content tonight. Of course, we're PG-13, but we don't, we don't censor anyone. You know, a person says what they says, an artist says what they says, a guest on the line says what they says. So we're just putting that out there right now. Uh, so, Max, uh, let's talk about the opening track. You may be muted, Max. Sorry about that. I was. That is a powerful, powerful combination. Uh, Sister Pinckney, uh, mother of Earl Pinckney, pleading for help. And, you know, we hear that now like a thousand times a year, literally a thousand times a year. Uh, pleading for help after someone's child has been killed. And the the song by Lady Gaga really just brought it home because that's the truth of the matter. You don't know how it feels until it happens to you. And the idea is for us to change it so it doesn't have to happen to you. So, yeah, very powerful one-two punch right there, as always here at Abolition Today. And, I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here looking at a list right now, Max, and, you know, most of the times people only hear of the names that they see in the news cycles. And so they don't really see how big of a problem it is. But I'm looking at this list, and, I mean, I must have, I don't know, a thousand names sitting here, and I'm like, I don't know any of these names. That's how that's how serious it is. And these are just the ones that are just killed by police officers. You know, we're not even talking about just gun violence in itself. We're just talking about a list of police officers. And it's, it's, it's just devastating looking at this list, Max. Yeah, at 1,200 a year, which is the average uh, people that are shot and killed by police. Um, you're talking about 12,000 mourning mothers out there, 12,000 of them, like Christ's right. mother who passed away shortly after. 
And uh, this week I've been doing a lot of research on the topic, you know, and immersing myself in it to get the music and poetry right and try to make sure I understand so I'm not talking the wrong way, you know what I mean? Uh, right. And it, it, it was heartbreaking, very heartbreaking, though, just to do that. But I realize that, you know, we go around, we say Happy Mother's Day, and I do want to say Happy Mother's Day uh, to my biological mother, to my wife, my sisters, cousins, friends, everybody that's a mother out there, Happy Mother's Day to you. But everybody ain't happy, you know? We're in the right. middle of a system of slavery and human trafficking, and happiness is a rare commodity uh, almost non-existent when you're a mourning mother, when you're a below uh, parent who has had to bury their child. Yeah, I agree. I mean, this I, I can't imagine the pain. You know, I, I I just can't. I mean, I know how I felt just lose, you know, losing a relative or a close friend. But the pain has to be so much more severe when it's the parent losing a child. Tell you, man, when we was coming up with our children and we raised a lot of children. There was two things we considered a success if they were free and alive and the bar is low as hell, but it's the most important two things of all. If they're free and alive. Mm. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be a, a topic, but they, they need to have their voices heard. Stories need to be told. Um, and we need to realize that they exist, you know, give some info on some of the things that have been going down this week, too. Okay. Uh, one thing uh, you heard we, we mentioned last week, we played some clips of Dr. Joy James, right? Well, Dr. Right. Joy James is going to be on Abolition Today on June 27th, so she'll be our guest on June 27th. And I will be her guest as part of a panel discussion on uh, June the 12th. So I'm looking forward to doing that. Uh, I'll be there uh, discussing, of course, the slavery abolitionist movement. Um, so that's that's two pieces of news. Uh, the other thing is, on the 19th of this month, uh, I'll be in Atlanta, Georgia, traveling I, uh, down there with Brother T. Ford, Palmetto Star, and they are reclaiming Malcolm X Day. And uh, we'll be down there doing a little poetry and speaking. So that's the 19th of this month. That's and, huge, uh, and you're bringing out the heavy hitters, man, <laughs> when you start yeah. talking about T. Ford and Palmetto Star. Uh-huh, no doubt. Uh, Too broad for TV, right here on Blog Talk <laughs> Radio as well. So, yeah, and then yesterday was a big day. Like, it's just, there's so much surrounding it. <clears throat> I'm going to try to get what I can, some I can't even give you, right? <laughs> but it's good and bad, right? So the right. good thing is this. Yesterday, uh, there was a campaign launch to end slavery uh, in the United States as well as in the States itself. I know that there's already been a campaign uh, launched to do that called the Volley Slavery National Network. All our listeners know that, but another one was launched, right? And it's mm-hmm. launched in combination with an international anti-slavery organization called Freedom United. Now, you might have heard me talk about this on the program before because we've called them to task. These international anti-slavery societies that are well-funded and well-manned do not recognize what's happening to the prison systems, the for-profit prison systems, as slavery and human trafficking, even with the proof of the 13th Amendment to back it up. That's 
So that's something I've been lobbying for for years. Well, for the first time ever, one of them had recognized it as such and launched a campaign that is going to reach their, I believe it's 114 nations that are involved with Freedom United. So 114 nations are finding out right now about slavery in the United States through the 13th Amendment. And uh, that's definitely worth celebrating. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's a really big deal. Really big right. deal. And, of course, we'll have more updates on that as it progresses over time. Well, my hope is that other anti-slavery organizations like enslavery.org, for instance, will mm-hmm. also pick up this torch and recognize the crimes against humanity that are happening here in the United States through our prison system, as well as worldwide through for-profit prison industries. Uh, so that an opposition can begin against it. So that's the big thing that happened with there. But the other thing is, as I said, somebody decided they was going to go ahead and duplicate what we're doing <laughs> and, and didn't even invite us or mention us or nothing. But they did bring in uh, Angela Davis uh, to speak. I heard they showed out a pretty to bring her in to speak. And uh, for the newcomer who's just hearing about this type of movement, uh, I'm sure that it was inspiring uh, to see her talking on this subject because, you know, another thing is we've been lobbying for her to talk about this, right, ever since. Right, like we, for, for the longest. For the longest. This for the longest. What we've been doing with these states and abolishing constitutional slavery and uh, submitting a 28th Amendment and working with Congress and Senate to get it all done. I mean, the organization, the efforts that have been happening for the past year through the ASNN and Associated Organizations, Orgs is nothing short of um, monumental and uh, major historic events. So we right. thought, you know, she'd be talking about it by now. But she talked about it there. Um, other people might see it differently. You know what I'm saying? It's a learning experience, and, and and you're getting exposed to this idea that the 13th Amendment didn't really enslave; it legalized it, right? And you've got these heavy right. hitters to come in there to help to hammer that down. And I'm so appreciative of that and the knowledge that c- comes with it. But this uh, Sister Davis, I believe, looks at everything through a communist lens. So uh, she was critiquing uh, capitalism mainly. Mm-hmm. And the way it ended up is rather than talking about the 13th Amendment and modern and legal slavery, it became what we need to do is abolish prisons and then tied hot to the higher, bigger monster that they talk about, which is capitalism. Uh, in my mind, I'm like, wow, you know, capitalism ain't illegal nowhere. <laughs> Slavery right. is illegal everywhere. How is capitalism the bigger monster? You know what I mean? And the other brother, I, I believe Professor Childs, Dr. Childs was there, mm-hmm. and he was using some double speak and things he was saying. You know, he's been writing about this for years, he said, uh, and that he's been involved for years. I'm not quite sure how, but he's, you know, I guess writing some stuff about it. Um, and he was still using terms like mass incarceration, the prison industrial complex, you know, these metaphors that take away accountability and turn it into a non-crime. Uh, so he was still using those while talking about legal slavery. So it was double think going on in his head, which was confusing to people who are more experienced in the abolitionist movement. So overall, you know, it was very nice to see this type of exposure being put on the subject. 
but it was unkind, I think, and uh, disrespectful to leave us completely out of the picture in the way that we were. Uh, and I spoke to the organizers the night before on air and asked them. <laughs> and they were like, you know, it's our party, and we'll bring in who we want to bring in. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Don't yeah, mind us. <laughs> when, you, when you're talking about uh, uh, Dr. Child, you know, at Columbia University, at the law school, and, you know, I've I've been – trying to connect with him ever since they put out that uh I don't want to call it a documentary but that series that they did uh last year you know so we can have this dialogue to clear up a lot of the things that they've been stating you know because they have a large voice you know when you start talking about people like Doc, uh Dr. Childs or Angela Davis you know, and many of them still have that mindset from the 60s and 70s, you know, coming from the Chairman Mao position, you know, being anti-capitalism. And as you stated, capitalism is not illegal anywhere in the world, you know. And it feels like we just had this conversation two weeks ago. When we want to talk about capitalism, capitalism uh, – plays a role but it's just a minor symptom when we when we're talking about legalized slavery capitalism is sort of like the means yes there's money involved yeah yeah that's that's the driving force but it's not the root cause it plays its role because it's all about capital but yes we can go to human trafficking that's a crime so no matter how you look at it that's the crime absolutely and we can go to we can go to non-capitalist societies and find legalized slavery. So it's not capitalism. It's not communism. It's not socialism. It is a human rights violation. It's a crime against humanity, a crime against nature to enslave someone. Hey, uh, I see we've got a few callers on the line. I don't know if anybody wants to make a question or comment, but if you do press 1 on your keypad so that we know uh, you have something to say. Uh, throughout the night, people will call in to just listen on their phone. Uh, but just remember, if you do want to say something, press one on your keypad. So, yeah, man, that was an amazing thing to see. But it was also, as I said, I, I, I felt some kind of way because the night before, I don't know if he realized what he was talking to. Maybe he did. But, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm co-director of state operations. Me and the, the crew that I'm working with are the ones that have organized these dozen or so states and helped them to get their legislation and gone to their meetings and testified in front of uh, court cases or, or, or in front of uh, committees like you did. Uh, and to just step it out of nowhere <laughs> and be like, you know, yeah, right. we're doing this and nothing has happened until we got here was insulting as hell, not only to us but to everybody for years who's been working on this and cheering us on as we got these accomplishments done, you know? So that, right. I don't know what that was all about. <laughs> and, and and just for the sake of clarity, I misspoke. Uh, Dr. Childs is, is uh, at uh, UC San Diego, University of California, San Diego, but he also is connected with the uh, Columbia University Law School. So I just wanted to make sure that, uh, that's clear. They had a third brother on there who was uh, 
formerly incarcerated for many years, working with the All of Us or None uh, group. And he kind of kept things grounded, if you know what I mean, like kept mm-hmm. it real. Whereas, you know, they got caught up in the academic aspects of it, trying to remember everybody's name, who wrote every book and quote every, you know, just name dropping all over the place. Uh, he was like, yeah, I, I experienced this and this is where it, where we're at with it, you know, so he kept it grounded. It, it was a good conversation to hear, as I said, for the initial listener. It's, it's an introduction to what's going on. Uh, but for people that's been around for a while, we were, you know, we were like, we got whip appeal. Like, what the hell are y'all talking about? Like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> so, and and then uh, one other thing is we dropped uh, Tribal's video today. Tribal Rain's video. My wife, you'll actually hear her a couple times today. Um, but we dropped her video, which was recorded and performed live on location at Whitney Plantation, the first slavery museum in America, and it was done in the Plantation Chapel, and it's a, a rendition of Morning Mothers. So it's, that's you, in Louisiana? Yes, in Louisiana, exactly. Sorry about mm-hmm. that, but uh, uh, Whitney Plantation out in Louisiana. So that happened. Uh, I, I got like two more things to go through. I got a list here, man. <laughs> It's my son's Go for birthday. it, brother. Go for it's it. It's my, old, my oldest son's birthday. Uh, happy birthday, son. Uh, many, many more. He's 39 today, and I feel old as dirt. Wow. <laughs> Where did the time go, man? <laughs> I, I, I know, 39. Right? 39, yes. Uh, on the 18th of this month, the ASNN is having its next quarterly meeting. That's going to be a, an exciting event. You know, last time we had the Queen of Benin there. Queen Mother of Benin, right. uh, Senator Murphy mm-hmm. spoke as well as representatives and legislators from all across America who were involved in uh, the efforts to abolish slavery. So our next one like that is coming up on the 18th. Uh, sign up at abolishslavery.us on our mailing list so you can be up to date on these things and participate or witness or help when it's needed. Um, and then uh, yesterday also was another big day. We had a huge meeting for state operations Yesterday, we got all the states that have legislation together for 21 and 22 representatives, and we formed a team that's going to work together and all the way up until November elections. And the idea is to use this collective knowledge, wisdom, experience, and insight in order to help each other move forward and accomplish some of these goals. A couple of the problems we've been running across is we find ourselves dealing with gatekeepers in a dictatorship. So you have some states like uh, California, New Jersey, and Texas, right, and particularly mm-hmm. Texas, where when you got to, in order to get the bill on the ballot, right, where people can vote on it and decide what they want, it has to go through committee. And then there's a chairman of the committee who decides exactly what goes through committee. And all he has to do is go, right. no, nope, I'm not going to schedule it. And it kills the bill before people ever even get a chance. Before to it even goes. Yeah, that's, that's rep uh, Chris Patty. Chris Patty, out Representative there, right? Chris Patty, P A D D I E. Right, Chris Patty out in Texas. As a matter of fact, there was one that where they brought in ten thousand signatures in order to support the efforts and get him to put this bill on, uh, you know, to be uh, heard in committee. And no sooner than the people walked out, than he put the ten thousand signatures in the trash. Like literally, there's a picture of it in the trash where he put it. Mm. But you're not even listening to your constituents. So right. we're trying to figure out how to get past these dictators in a democracy. And uh, uh, we've got some pretty good insights how to do it. So the team that's going to be working together all the way until November is basically reps from 
a dozen states across this country. And uh, we are ready to get this job done. It's looking really good. And that's all I got to say about what's happened this past week. Wow. That's a mouthful, Max. You were you were really busy. <laughs> you, it, you know, it, it makes me feel so out of the loop, you know. But, uh, you know, I had some personal things to take care of. And, you know, I'll be right back in the fight shortly. Word. You know, definitely uh, want to send a shout out to uh, Savannah Etheridge and Dennis Febo, you know, your, your co-chairs at that. Uh, Dude, I'm already telling my in. side of the story. Right. We were to tell their side? Oh, my God. You know, Dennis is getting letters from the Department of Justice wanting them to rewrite how their bill looks from the freaking Department of Justice, man. Uh, right. You know, the, uh, what is it called? Uh the GEO group has reached out to them. GEO group? Mm-hmm. Yeah, to reach out to them because he was threatening their $28 million contract with ICE out there, which they apparently lost after all. Uh, so, you know, and he's talking to state prosecutors, mayors, and now they want to meet with the governor. And then in California with, uh, you know, Sister Jamilia, it's very much similar situation. Right. You know, each state is going through some stuff. So, uh some strong people in this group. Let me tell you something, man. Some strong people who are putting up with some BS for getting the job done. Yeah, definitely big shout out to them because they're the ones that keep the wheels turning. You know, right. it's it's not even, you know, there's, there's going to come a time when what we're doing is going to be like a fad. You know, people are going to jump on the bandwagon and great. You know, the more the merrier if they're coming in sincere and putting in the work. But you're talking about the ones now where, you know, you're the only one in the room talking about slavery abolition and everyone's turning around looking at you like, what? What are you talking about? I'm I'm (laughs) already starting to look at that as the old days because, you know, we've already reached critical mass. And as I said, now we've got these international organizations recognizing it. I tried for 10 years to get that to happen and it didn't happen until now. And that's right. huge. So, you know, when I do go out now, I used to start off by saying how many abolitionists, slavery abolitionists are in the room right now. And I might get one or two hands up five years <laughs> ago. Now, if I go now, right. I might get half the crowd. if not more. It's not, it has Great. been times when I walked in and it was all slavery abolitionists, <laughs> you know, like, Oh, wow. Right. So, you know, it's a, it definitely the change is occurring for sure. Um, you know, what that, I'd like to just, do is – go ahead. Oh, I was just going to add to the end of that. That reminded me of when we were in Columbus and we went that spoken word event, and you stood up and you asked that question. Yep. And I saw everyone sort of like looking at each other, and you were like, don't worry about it. By the time I finish what I'm getting ready to say, you all are going to be slavery abolitionists. And that's what it was. <laughs> yeah, that was my, how I did it. I walk in, find out how many are, if it's none or one or two. When I leave, it'd be 95 to 100% of the hands up, all slavery abolitionists, because mm-hmm. it don't take that much to tell. They already know. They just need a little bit of push and uh, the pieces of the right. puzzle that they were missing. That's all. Uh, you know, people ain't stupid. They 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 figure it out. Anyway, what I'd Absolutely. like to do, man, is we're running a little bit into our time schedule. I I want to play some more of these clips and tracks, uh, and then discuss it and give people opportunity to talk. As I said, our lines are open five one five six zero five nine eight one four five 
1-5-605-9814. If you have a question or comment, you want to tell your story or something like that, just press 1 so that we know you do. In the meantime, um, this the next clip is going to come from Mothers Who Lose a Second Child to Violence, and that will be teamed with Brandon Leak, the poet, Pookie from America's Got Talent. You're listening to Abolition Today with Yusuf San and Max Partis. We'll be right back after this. Abolition. 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 You are the great physician, God. I'm not supposed to bury my children. I'm not supposed to bury you. Cynthia Ambrose, Eddie Hernandez. It's always the innocent one. Someone who has life and life ahead of them. Stop the killing. When I'm up here on stage, they call me Brandon. <laughs> when I'm with my homies, they call me B. And when I'm with the ladies, let's just say they call me Taken because I'm already happily spoken for. But when I'm back at home, my mama, she called me Pookie. And though I'm not afraid to admit it, my mother calls me Pookie at like the most inopportune moments. For instance, today, on my way here to America's Got Talent, my mom screamed out the front door, make sure that you call me when you get there. Pookie. <laughs> and like, I get why my mother says it out of courtesy, but to be real, I don't understand why my mom's so concerned with my safety, praying for me as I leave the house on a daily, because I'm just a young man who has faith in Jesus. The same way that stars have faith that space will protect them from this galactic bully we call gravity, who longs to turn their star to a splendid spectacle for passerbyers to watch in awe of its death. So yes, I never really understood the issue. <laughs> and then I went on Facebook, and I realized that my mama loved me the same way every mother loved their son, fearfully. Because normally, deaths don't really bother me. I mean, I'm from Southside Stockton. I'm all too familiar with how some family reunions only ever take place on graveyard grass and how a hole can be a safe haven for a soul in this mortal game of hide-and-go-seek. But there is something so different about Ahmaud Arbery, George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Jacob Blake and the countless others and as I stared at that screen I couldn't help but think I was looking at a mirror image of myself being choked out familiarly existing of a daring to be more than three-fifths of what them folks thought them to be or maybe it was simply due to their hue and in that moment I better understood my black mother's greatest fear was every time I leave her home on the other side of my phone will no longer be her son will be America's next most popular hashtag 
accompanied by a video of her young star being gunned down by gravity as my stardust has turned splendid spectacle for pacifiers to watch in awe of my death. So yes, my mother's greatest fear is that I won't return home breathing. Blood pulsing through these veins enough to still be her pookie. And my mama warned me, son, don't you dare get caught at the wrong place, at the wrong time, with that wrong colored skin. Because those three strikes, they lead to pine box convictions. And I need you to return home, my pookie, again, so dear mom. I promise you this. I will do everything in my power to make it back home to you. But if I don't, just know... You was the very last thing on my mind. And I will always, always be your pookie. Abolition. Abolition. Today. You just heard Mother Brandon Lee. Child to Violence. And you just heard the poem, Pookie by Brandon Leak on America's Got Talent. That was so heavy, Max. Yeah, both the poem and the clip that preceded it, you know, mothers lose more than one child sometimes, you know, and that is right. like the most terrible thing. I was reading the one that lost three to violence in the streets, and the one you heard earlier had lost her second child. Uh, and then, of course, Brandon Leak really making leaps and bounds for the spoken word industry and getting out there as he did. Uh, They are smitten with him for sure. And Pookie was an incredibly powerful piece that really showed the depths of love involved in loving a a black child these days because that fear of what may happen is in in your head. You know, it's in your head, not just for mothers, but for all of the family. They all worry. You have to give me a moment, Max. That one was tough. You know, as, as I'm listening to the poem, all I could think of was Elijah Blake's hanging tree. It was right. like just resonating with me, just hearing Brandon recite his poem, and I could just think of the lyrics to Elijah Blake's hanging tree. When I hear that song, <clears throat> Elijah Blake's hanging tree, I, it, 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 when I heard his mother speak, I was thinking of that one too. Uh, you know what I mean? Because it was her pleading about that. Whereas we had already been called by Elijah Blake. You know, just hearing these cries, the cries of the Veloma, you know? Right. And, it, and right. it gets worse. It gets worse, particularly with police killings, especially when they get away with it. They terrorize the families after that. There's a report that came out uh, from The Guardian recently where they were saying that the authors of this um, study collected detailed accounts of alleged harassment from families of Paul Ray, an 18-year-old killed during a traffic stop in 2019, and Anthony Berg Fargus, a 21-year-old shot 13 times in 2018. And the report, also mm-hmm. produced by Black Lives Matter LA and Central Community Service Organization, alleges LASD deputies regularly drive by or park in front of the Ray and Vargas's family's homes and workplaces, and at times have taken photos or recorded them for no reason. Deputies repeatedly pull over relatives, search their cars, 
detain and arrest them without probable cause, allegedly in retaliation for their protests. And officers have shown up to vigils and family gatherings, at times mocking and laughing at them or threatening to arrest them and have also damaged items at memorial sites. Since my son's death, we have been terrorized every day. We're watching our backs, said Leah Garcia, Ray's mother. We are scared because we know what they're they are capable of. Like, how, that's a horrible way to live. They kill your child, get away with it, and then terrorize you and your family if you dare protest against the casual killing act by slave catchers. <sighs> I'm sorry, Max. <laughs> This. So I was just reading something. It's it's by Renee Otter, and it's she entitles it "In Memoriam." I can't breathe, and she says, "I am angry. I am anguished. I am heartbroken. I am all hollowed out. I am sick and tired of police needlessly killing black and brown people." Some police still see black men as threats to brutalize, to contain, to, re- to remand. They have stereotyped our grandfathers, fathers, husbands, sons, and nephews as monsters, subject to violence and death. They have killed our grandmothers, mothers, wives, daughters, and nieces. Every time I watch the video of George Floyd's death, my heart beats. Who in their right mind kneels on another human's neck and ignores desperate pleas of I can't breathe? Where is the humanity of these white police officers? Policing should not be predicated on brutal force and a complete disdain for black life. White supremacy has no place in the criminal justice system, in government, in the White House, in the United States. Black lives matter every second, every every minute, every hour, every day. He says, the universe shrank when you went away. Every time I thought your name, stars fell upon me. And that's a quote from Henry Dumas, poet, social activist, and teacher. It is certainly heartbreaking. But as I said from the beginning, they deserve to have the voices heard, stories told. And this is a Mother's Day for them, too. Um, So... Here at Abolition Today, we want to remember them. You know, I'm not going to leave them out of the story, even if it hurts. And it should hurt. Right. It should hurt us all. Uh, it should give yeah. us a sense of urgency because every day, three more die. Every day. Uh, police right. kill on average about three a day. So it should give us a sense of urgency to find a way not to have our children being murdered in the street by state actors, whether they're guilty or something or not. Uh, there's got to be a way to, to to do this without killing people. Is fatal uh, firepower the only answer you have? Because we see, tend to see uh, you using non-lethal tactics on some people, but not on others. Right. As I've said, said you, before, a lot of times neighbor, people are armed. <laughs> right. Uh, and, they'll, and they'll still find a way to bring them in. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's pretty rough. Um, again, if you have a question or comment, press one on your keypad so that we know 
otherwise we're just going to keep going through with the music and the news uh, to move you, <laughs> to move you. And right. I remember Valerie Castillo, she described this uh, collection of mothers as the fucked up mothers club. Remember? To be in the right. fucked up mothers club. And it, it's not it. just sad, it's infuriating. Especially when you know you're living in a country where people are swearing oaths to defend this type of uh, acts against you, to defend you from this, so it doesn't happen to you, and none the less is still happening. Um, so we did drop Tribal Reigns video today, and I think maybe we should just go ahead and get into her and Valerie Castillo. What do you think? Yes, yes, I've been All waiting. Right. I've been waiting <laughs> for it. Okay, uh, as I said, this is uncensored. Uh, morning mother speaking Valerie Castile's speech In regards to the case With her son And that will be followed by Tribal Reigns Morning Mothers With music by uh, The music is Cold by George Mendez Abolition Today Abolitiontoday.org Yusuf Hassan and Max Parkins We'll be right back Abolition Hey Facebook and everybody around the world, I'm sure y'all seen this bullshit that happened today. Fuck what they talking about, yeah I'm going live now. I've been holding myself trying to be strong and not say the wrong things because I already know how they get down. I'm 61 years old. I've seen it. I've smelled it. I've heard it. Now you see exactly what these motherfuckers think about us. They murdered my motherfucking son with his seatbelt on. So what does that say to you? Now they got free reign to keep killing us any kind of way they want to. So I just want to say one thing to everybody out there. I don't give a fuck what you do. Do what your heart desires, because that shit wasn't right. And I'm here to say that, and fuck the police. Say whatever the fuck you want to say. Now, this is the real Valerie Castile. I don't give no fuck no more. This shit is crazy. You're going to kill a man in front of a child and a woman who's going to bring some children to a motherfucking gunfight. Come the fuck on. Please, I don't know where they got them motherfucking jewelry from, but that was some straight-up bullshit, and they going to keep on killing us as long as we sit out and just take it. Oh, yeah, he was in fear for his life. Bull motherfucking shit. You shouldn't be no police officer if you're going to handle yourself in that manner. Do what you do. Because this shit going to keep on happening, and it's going to be you one day in this fucked up mother's club with their children murdered by the motherfucking police. I don't get no fuck. Man, y'all just don't know how sister so feeling right now. If I had it my way, it's on and cracking. Fuck that shit. I'm sick of this shit. Y'all been killing motherfuckers all these all these years. But here in Minnesota, this crack of Bama ass motherfucking state. Fuck these motherfuckers. This is Tribal Rain performing Morning Mothers. The city is full of morning mothers. Just as an ancient thing. 
wailing with lungs too dry to draw breath. Empty womb misfits, children torn from their bodies and cast aside like disregarded refuse. Misused, unloved, and forgotten. The city is full of mourning mothers. They wander around lost in a daze, unfazed by the life that continues to move on without them. They hear the long-gone laughter and reach for the outstretched hands that no longer dwell in the land of the living. They shuffle along haunted by the memories of their lost loved ones, gone too soon. Empty shells of their former selves, they've been placed on shelves in the basements of lost remembrances and labeled damaged goods. Beaten down by the hood and the slave catchers who run it. Told we may never find out who done it. But we all know who pulled the trigger, who fired the gun, who sold them the drugs, who shot a run, nigga, run. Who shot them in the backs of squad cars and dark alleys as they were lying face down hands cuffed behind their backs. Come on, people. We've all been appraised in the so-called facts. We all know who shot them dead. It was the same motherfuckers we hired to protect and serve. They were killed by the Brotherhood. Men wearing white hoods masked by silver badges, marked for death simply because of the color of their skin. And because of those badges, we'll get fucked once again and justice will not be served. The city is full of mourning mothers. They know these mean streets will kill heartbeats and fill up graveyards and prison buildings. See this melanin life right here is hard and unyielding. Death stalks your child and mine from the moment they draw breath, so ain't no rest for the weary and downtrodden. The city's mothers are constantly on the run, running from street corner to hospital building from hospital building to courthouse, from courthouse to prison building, from prison building to funeral home, and don't even mention hope to me because all our hope is gone. Our hope's drained out in the gutter along with the light blood of our husbands and sons while everyone stood by and became silent witness to murder most child. And you wonder why we howl out in misery and abject rage? The city is full of mourning. Each and every one of them the same. Empty arms, broken hearted silhouettes of their former selves. Knees bowed, arms and treating hands kneading on empty wounds. Needing to hold on to their lost loved ones who are gone but not forgotten. Oh yes, the city is full of mourning mothers. Mothers hunted forever by the furthest sound of freedom, non-existent, ringing. Abolition after day. Wow. So you just heard a clip of Valerie Castile, the mother of Philando Castile, who was murdered by uh, Minnesota police, followed by my sister, whom I love dearly, Tribal Rain, the wife of Max Parthas, Morning Mothers. In the that was laid on top of the track called Cold by Jorge Mendez. And I, I felt the energy of Valerie Castile. I, I just felt that, Max. I felt it 
And as I'm hearing her, you know, I'm thinking of, you know, Eric Garner's mother and uh, Sabrina Fulton, uh, Trayvon Martin's mother, and all of the other countless mothers, you know. And we see them, you know, they show up on the TV with uh, Lee Merritt or Benjamin Crump, and, you know, they're polished and they're so calm. But I really felt what she was saying because I know that, you know, as, as sweet and kind as my mother is, that's what she would be saying if something was to happen to me, if I die at the hands of police officers. She's not going to hold back. All that church lady and all of that stuff is going to go out the window, and she's going to say what she truly feels. So I felt every breath of that, Max. There was a lot of emotions that you could identify inside of her. Uh, one resignation you know when you just finally come to the conclusion this ain't gonna change it is what it is hopelessness uh, I mean because mm-hmm. for her the ultimate price has already been paid right so right. now what what else you gonna do to me now right and despair was there too even amidst the anger you could hear the despair uh, and the cries for help like, look what you let happen to me. Look where I'm at right now. And mm-hmm. y'all busy talking. You can say whatever you want to say. What she said, do whatever your heart desires. But yeah. for her, it's too late now. And today, it was too late for three other people. And tomorrow, it's going to be too late for three more people. And every day after that, it's going to be too late for three more people. Too mm. late. We can't we can't keep being too late, man. We just we just can't right. keep being too late. We need to solve this problem now. And the horror and suffering goes sometimes beyond the instant death out of nowhere. You know, the, you meet a policeman and within minutes you're a corpse. Uh, sometimes second, second yeah. sometimes the deaths take much much longer, uh, particularly when your loved one has been incarcerated or wrongfully convicted and we just saw an example of that recently with this uh, brother that was murdered in 2016 by the state an 8th amendment violation and now Mm -hmm. we found evidence DNA evidence that shows it's very likely he was not the person who did it (laughs) so you killed an innocent man Right. I'll read just a little bit off of the report it says two weeks before he was executed The Innocence Project and the ACLU said they'd identified flaws in the evidence used to convict Lee according to press releases on ACLU's website, including the presence of DNA evidence that likely belonged to the killer and had never been tested with modern technology. The court refused to hear any new evidence or allow DNA testing before executing Lee, who was one of eight people scheduled for execution in rapid succession because of the state's expiring supply of execution drugs. Remember that when that happened? Uh, right. Just a little while ago, right? So they have very likely killed another innocent man. When that happens to your child and they spend years in prison for something they didn't do, when they finally just kill him outright, the trauma is so so massive. What did the song say in the beginning? You don't know how it feels. It won't be real. So I can't even say it's real for me. I can only imagine. Right. 
till it till it happens to you. Till it happens to you. Uh, there's like 100, 120,000 wrongfully convicted people in prison right now, and their mothers are at home. Uh, terrified, scared to death every day that they might die that day because any prison sentence is a potential death sentence in the hell holes that they put them in. Right. All right. We've, we've actually had callers into the program even mention that. I, I know you want to speak a little bit about this uh, killing as well. You know, when it comes to, and, and you and I covered this last season when we talked about the Eighth Amendment penalty, and we actually played a clip, I believe it was uh, Van Jones that mentioned in the clip that the state doesn't have the moral or ethical foundation to be the one to make the determination of who lives and who dies. And we're looking at, you know, here it is, this person is dead. There's probably going to come a determination that they killed the wrong person, and it won't be the first time that that's happened. But yet there's going to be no judge, no prosecutor, no officers, no one is going to ever be held accountable for it. There's going to be a, oops, we're sorry, we messed up, and that's it. They won't even be able to prosecute the person who actually did it. That's how difficult it becomes. And so they'll just chalk it up, oh, we made a mistake, and Governor Newsom had made the announcement I don't recall off off the top of my head the statistics, but I think he said something like one in twenty five or one in thirty people on death row in California right, are actually innocent. And he said he doesn't want to have that blood on his hand, and that's why he was pushing for the removal of the death penalty in California. Right, and I forget how much the price tag in California was to kill one person. I think but it was thirty like, million dollars. So it was nah, an outrageous was, number. Three hundred million. Yeah, it was like three hundred. Yeah, three hundred million. To kill one person, uh, since uh, I believe it was since nineteen seventy-eight, uh, for all the people they killed, it averaged out to three hundred million per person. You could change entire communities for the next three generations. For three hundred right. million dollars, but you'd rather spend it on potentially killing an innocent person. That's more important in this country that we have currently. And, and with the level of co- corruption of state legislatures, judges, prosecutors, we know about the judicial and the prosecutorial misconduct. We know of what goes on in the police departments. You know where they just want to close cases. There's too much corruption for the state to be the one making that determining factor. Of course, they'll say, well, the jury decided to send the person to death. But again, it's the state who's carrying it out. We know when it goes back to older times, you you know, you had the executioner come along and they hand him an envelope full of money, you know, to carry out the execution. And again, I'm sure this was a person who had, you know, no uh, moral authority or ethical authority to do it. And so the state should not be in this type of situation because the state, as we see over and over and over again, makes mistakes, 
unintentionally and many times intentionally. They're not even mistakes. We were right about that three hundred million too. Uh it's according they calculated based on the prisoners that have been executed in the state in the past three three decades, it's three hundred mm-hmm. million dollars per person. And that's just to kill thirteen people. <laughs> that's what they spent. Right. So billion one point two billion to kill thirteen right. people. That it changes your perspective when you realize this. You know what I mean? That now it, it ain't got nothing to do with justice anymore, really, right? It's all about right. money. And it's all about control and race based control. Right. So, and that's only talking about the So we have those who spend twenty, thirty years on death row get put to death. But that's not even counting the ones who have the slow death. The life without parole, you know, where they have 30, 40, 50, sometimes 60 years incarcerated, just waiting to die. Yeah, and they'll spend that to kill you, but won't spend a dime to help you if you're not in a prison. Right. It's it's beyond cruel and unusual, but it's, as we keep saying, crimes against humanity, badges and incidents of slavery, and that's what we're dealing with. Uh, but there is another right. group, too, man, of mothers that are involved in this system and affected directly by it, <clears throat> not just right. those who have had their children murdered by police actors, state actors, but also uh, I believe there's a huge number of women who are incarcerated that are mothers already. Um, so now it's the reverse their children and their families are broken up and, and their communities harmed because of what's being done with them. And I've got some poetry from them, too, in song. <laughs> yeah, we've been hitting it with the poetry and song tonight, right? All the time. All the time. And I'm uh, so proud of my lovely wife. Happy Mother's Day, baby. Uh, whatever I'm doing, you can rest assured she's always right there doing just as much right as me. Right there. Uh, I'm the one who does a lot of the talking. Whenever she has something to say, it's usually through her poetry or through her community uh, and volunteer work. All right, so we have a clip here from the Lady Lifers out in Muncie State Prisons, and it's a song that they did collectively called Die Alone, and they uh, performed it inside the prison. And these are women who are doing life without the possibility of parole. Um, you're listening to Abolition Today with Yusef Son and Max Parthas. Uh, we're at abolitiontoday.org. Make sure that you go to our YouTube page and like and subscribe so that you can hear all of this wonderful music and poetry and see the news and clips that we use throughout the evening. Also, follow us on Facebook at Abolition Today as we post these usually in real time so you can keep up with us. We'll be right back. Abolition. 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 Today. Abolition. Today. Life in Pennsylvania means just that. Life without the possibility of parole. For us lifers, as we call ourselves, our only chance for release 
is through commutation, which has only been granted to two women since 1989, close to 30 years ago. Our song, This Is Not Our Home, it tells of our experiences while doing life without the possibility of parole.
I'm known to you as inmate 008106, incarcerated 29 years. My name is Brenda Watkins. I was born and raised in Hoffman, North Carolina. This is not my home. Inmate number OB2472. I've been incarcerated for 27 years. My name is Thelma Nichols. I was born and raised in Philadelphia, PA. This is not my home. Oh, oh, 8494. I've been incarcerated for 27 years. My name is Danielle Hadley. I was born and raised in Philadelphia, PA, and this is not my home. Inmate, inmate, 008309. I've been incarcerated for 27 years. My name is Teresa Battles. I'm from North New Jersey, and this is not my home. I am known as inmate 007080. I've been incarcerated for 30 years. My name is Deborah Brown. I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. This is not my home. Oh, oh, 5961. I've been incarcerated for 37 years. My name is Joanne Butler, and I was born and raised in Philadelphia. This is not my home. Number 005634. I've been incarcerated for 39 and one half years. My name is Diane Hamill Metzger. I'm from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and this is not my home. I am 004867, incarcerated 40 years. My name is Lena Brown. And I was born and raised in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and this is not my home. My number is 005545. My name is Trina Garnett. I've been incarcerated for 37 years since I was 14 years old. Born and raised in Chester, Pennsylvania, and this is not my home. Abolition. Abolition. You just heard the Lady Lifers at Muncie State Prison in Pennsylvania. 
and the song was entitled Die Alone. Um, I was doing some research on incarceration regarding women. And uh, first mm-hmm. of all, that was beautiful. That was beautiful. And I'm glad that we could help to spread their voice uh, as incarcerated women. Uh, more than 60% of women in state prisons and nearly 80% of those in jail have minor children, and most are their primary caretaker. Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's approximately 219,000 incarcerated women in the U.S., according to a November 18 report by the Prison Policy Initiative. And the rate of incarceration okay. of women in the United States is at a historic and global high, with 133 women in correctional facilities per 100,000 female citizens. Mm. Wow. And I'm just thinking about the amount of time, as the, as these ladies were talking about how long they've been incarcerated. Mm. And we look at the one. she She's been in for 37 years, ever since she was 14 years old. And we spoke about that a couple of weeks ago where the U.S. Supreme Court had just shot down a case on juvenile lifers, you know, even though they haven't been given, like, any type of hearing to determine if the person can be rehabilitated. And here's a classic case of it right there. 14 years old, now she's 51 years old, and she's still in prison, and she's going to remain in prison according to the U.S. Supreme Court until she dies. Like, what has a person done that requires you keep them in a cage for 37 years, 40 years, 50 years? I was listening to the news the other day about some case where a person is doing like six consecutive lives plus 153 years. And I'm like, oh, who mm-hmm. the hell are you talking about? Methuselah? Because that man going to be dead. Maybe the second life term he might make it to, but he ain't going to make it no further right. than that. It's just not even humanly possible. So what the hell is a case where you have to pile all these years? Is, is that spite when you do that? Like, you know what? He'll be dead like 200 years ago, but let's go ahead and throw another 150 years on top right. of it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. New Jersey is famous for that. They love these big headlines. You know, in New Jersey, uh, a life sentence is considered about 62 and a half years. You know, so they'll give someone life plus, you know, so they love having the the headline, you know, so-and-so gets 105 years, 135 years, 190 years, 250 years. And just like you're saying, for what? Other than just to have the big headlines. We have one judge who said that he wasn't going to retire until he had given away a million years. Man, what, what, what are you sentencing, people or trees? You know? <laughs> right. Like, people, there's some terrible acts people have done, serial killers, cannibals. Sure. You know, sure. all of this out there. But even after X amount of years, people like that might be able to be different people, you know? Like, if somebody right. said to me 30 years from now or 25 years from now, I said, you know, Max, we're thinking about letting Dylan Roof out. <laughs> what do you think about that? <laughs> like, well, hmm. let me hear from Dylan Roof. <laughs> you know? 
<laughs> right. But I mean, there's got to be at least a chance. Anyway, whew, that song was powerful. Let's get into some yeah, of our, our news. Go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean it. Yeah, and, and that's what I wanted to do because I'm thinking of that die alone. And, of course, that takes me right into this article entitled, Rhode Island Inmates Challenge Law That Declares Them Legally Dead. I'll say that again. Rhode Island Inmates Challenge Law That Declares Them Legally Dead. And did you know? There are states like Rhode Island would declare you as legally dead if you're serving a life sentence. So going right back here to this life without parole. As if you had literally died and dead people are not entitled to any rights among the living, which means you are property of the state and a state that has already abolished slavery without exception. That is constitutionally criminal and the state of Rhode Island is guilty. It sounds like a poem, Max. Am I reading a poem? <laughs> Anything I write, I know the way poem. you write, and sometimes it's like a poem without you knowing it's a poem. Yo, I, I this, never stop being a poet, just like I never stop being an abolitionist. <laughs> <laughs> this particular issue was refused a hearing by the Supreme Court. The court stated he's civilly dead, meaning in the eyes of the law, rather he has given up all his civil rights, except if he was married at the time he was incarcerated. He can stay married. And I love how you end it. You say, this is America. Yeah. And uh, I just take the A out because they, they don't deserve an A. They deserve an F. Right. So civilly dead, civil death. thing that stood out for me is, first of all, Rhode Island was the only state until 2018 that abolished slavery without a caveat. It was there, That was it, just Rhode Island. No other state mm-hmm. had done it. And so if you're saying that someone who now you have custody of is legally dead and has no civil and citizen rights, then that means that you're, they are your property now, property of the state. And according to the state's very own constitution, that's unconstitutional. You can't do that because there is no such thing as slavery in your state, no exception whatsoever, including a life sentence should turn a man in, or a woman into property. So I managed That's what it to is. hear That's... a little. There was a there was a person on one of my uh, pages who was telling me that they were a part of the team that helped to bring this out and did the research and stuff for that uh, for the lawsuit mm-hmm. that was uh, challenged this in the Supreme Court, which the Supreme Court wouldn't hear. Uh, so I suggested to them that maybe this thing can be brought back to life. Uh, but coming from the aspect of slavery is illegal in uh, Rhode Island, right? What do you think? Mm-hmm. You're our law, man. You know, you, you you keep pushing it, and it's something that I'm going to present on a, in a future broadcast. I learned a lot during the uh, Senate confirmation hearings of Amy Comey Bryant for the U.S. Supreme Court. And two things that I'm going to cover in the future. One was how uh, Senator Cory Booker laid out how there are 80,000 collateral consequences to incarceration. But then there's the other aspect where uh, Senator Sheldon Whitehouse laid out the strategy that ALEC, 
does in getting cases into the courts, specifically into the U.S. Supreme Court, and why they've had such a high success rate of every time they get cases there. And so we're going to present that same strategy. You know, if it's not broken, I mean, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? Right. Use that same strategy to get these cases and get them heard before the Supreme Court. You know, it, it, it involves filing in multiple jurisdictions. And what they do, Alec just goes straight in there intending to lose on these local jurisdictions, U.S. District Courts, U.S. Courts of Appeal, because the whole the goal is to get to the U.S. Supreme Court. And so we can apply that same strategy. Not so much that we're going in there intending to lose, because we don't have that luxury. You know, usually the things that they're presenting, they're taking people's rights away and everything. So they can wait so they can get to the Supreme Court. But we have people literally sitting in prison cells dying, you know, so we can't just sit back and wait on that. Uh, no, say, you got to say like Trump said it. Uh, these are people who have never died before. These are people dying that have never died before. <laughs> he actually said that dumb shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it, regarding the life sentences in Rhode Island and you becoming state property, illegal uh-huh. in the state, uh, just beyond that, the life sentences alone tend to be race-based. Uh, for instance, 74% of death penalty recommendations were for people of color. Three-quarters of all death penalty recommendations were for non-white people. Seventy-eight, all right? No, let's say 80%. Let's, let's just be gracious and throw a 2% on there to round it right off, right? So you can really see right. what it, for what it is. Eight out of freaking ten of life sentences were, were, are for people of color. So of all the people that are doing life sentences, 80% of them are non-white. 66% of juveniles serving life sentences are black. So 66%. Uh. And this is in a nation where uh, black men, for instance, only make up 4% of the population. And now you're talking about pr- primarily young black men in these juvenile detention facilities serving life sentences uh, as they go into the adult facilities, and 66% uh-huh. of them are black. That's that's outrageous, man. Like, it really crimes is. Crimes against humanity. Crimes against humanity. Uh, I'm pleading to the United Nations, uh, the United Nations and them, friends of the United Nations, all the countries, whatever name you want to call yourself, if you're outside of America, y'all need to start paying attention to what's happening here. They really do. And it's 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 a clear case of crimes against humanity. And then we, and inside of that, we think of all of the constitutional violations that occur: Fourth Amendment, Fifth Amendment, Sixth Amendment, Eighth Amendment, Thirteenth, Fourteenth, Fifteenth Amendments. Constantly on a daily basis, you throw in poverty, you throw in ineffective assistance of counsel, which is, you know, still falls under the Sixth Amendment, and it's going on. At an alarming rate, what is it? Ninety-seven percent of cases ending ending, ending in plea bargain. Uh, I think it's ninety-seven percent of state and ninety-four percent of federal. So it's like ninety-five percent on average. That's a large percentage, right there. Where 
they're not even getting the opportunity to exercise, you know, their Fourth, Fifth, and Sixth Amendment rights. And then when they are becoming incarcerated, their Eighth Amendments are being violated with the cruel and unusual punishment. We can run down a whole litany of violations that are happening inside the prisons that even the U.S. Supreme Court and other courts have even said so. But they've also said that their hands are tied because of the 13th Amendment. Because of the 13th Amendment. It's like a magic word, right? Like the seal yes. of Solomon. <laughs> the 13th yes. Amendment. Yeah, the U.S. Supreme law. Court says, look, we do something about it, but the 13th Amendment says Congress has the right or has the authority. Mm-hmm. You know, so Congress has to adopt legislation that will open and, the door for the Supreme Court to be able to address it. And, and that's what we're pushing at hard. I, I really would like to see congressional hearings on the 13th Amendment and its effect on uh, the United States since 1865. I think that would be mind-blowing, particularly right. in regards to everything that has occurred since World War II. Uh, but even before that, you know, the convict leasing, the chain gangs, all these were crimes against humanity, which the United mm-hmm. States has never even, uh, you know, been held accountable for in any way. Uh, the companies that profited off that are still in business or subsidiaries right. that took over. They're still in business, you know. Nobody's ever been right. held accountable for that. But the horror stories of what's happening right now would blow the average person's mind. You know, Yusuf and I are in the unenviable position to have to do the research on some of these. And we only share about ninety, uh, about 10% of what we actually research. The other 90% stays on our page as a record of what has been going on in that recent time. And it's just horror story after horror story, man, after horror story. As a matter of fact, it's so brutal that South Carolina mm-hmm. just voted on Wednesday to add firing squads as an execution method for prisoners. Uh, The bill passed 66 to 43, with one Democrat voting in favor and seven Republicans voting against it. (laughs) So the firing squads are coming back. Firing squads. The the sad part about it is this, because, you know, I, I expect this type of savagery of brutality to be put on the table in a place like South Carolina, considering their history. But the part that frightens me to a degree and makes me very sad is they'll never have any problem finding people in uniform to kill you. Whether or not you're actually innocent or guilty uh, doesn't matter. If the court said you got to die, you got to die. And they will get people without a problem who will stand up and shoot a person who is tied and gagged and blindfolded and then go home and go to church on Sunday. Sorry, Max. <laughs> I have to uh, take care of something really quick. If you can just give me like two minutes. All right. Uh, I'm going to do better than that, brother. <laughs> uh, I'm going to give the phone call out, and then we're going to go into one more of our tracks. So if you want to uh, offer a question or comment, we're running low on time. We've got about 15 minutes of tonight's broadcast before we go into our final segment, uh, which is a powerful segment. So hold on all the way to the end. It's 515-605-9814, 515-605-9814. Don't forget to press number one. Uh, I've had people say, Max, I sat on there the whole show, bro. I want to say something, but you never brought me in. But you got to press the one. Otherwise, you know, I don't know who's booed. All right. So I want to play this clip that comes from 
State Tennessee uh, Tennessee State Representative London Lamar, and I'm a fan of London Lamar now, uh, and that's going to be followed by the Boseman Race Jones. If you're listening to Abolition today, this is our Mother's Day special prize of the Beloma, and we will be right back to this. Abolition. It's uncomfortable for Republicans to talk about race. And in their attempt to not be held accountable for the historical implications of racism in this country is just unfathomable. I spoke on the floor today because the House sponsor said in his debates on this bill that an anonymous young white girl felt trauma because she felt like an oppressor based on the history of white America and what we've done regarding slavery. And while I don't want any child to feel any sort of trauma, I took this opportunity to bring to light the trauma that black people feel living in America. Black children grow up knowing their whole American history, that the majority of the American history that we live today is of black people being slaves. Or that more recently, our grandparents' whole lives were living through the civil rights movement where they had to drink from colored water fountains, where they couldn't vote, where they were being lynched, where they were being killed, where they were being denied housing, food, and other basic necessities. And most importantly, our whole criminal justice system in America was built on the oppression and the systematic criminalization of black people. So no, we can't just scapegoat or whitewash history so those white Americans now don't have to feel the the, the repercussions of 400 plus years of enslavement and what that's done to a disadvantaged population such as mine. What we have to do is have these conversations in educational settings to bring context to our students so that we can remember what happened in American history so we won't repeat the horrible things that happened in American history. And my comment, my colleagues' comments today brings light to the fact that we need to continue to teach about the history of America regarding racism because he was actually incorrect. The three-fifths compromise was created so that Southern states can have more representation in Congress. So they counted three per five slaves, they counted them as three persons. So we obviously need to continue to talk about race because the Republicans are not even clear on what the issues of the three-fifths compromise or other racism issues in America are. And they had the audacity to clap for it, and it was wrong. So we have a problem here, and the fact that we're trying to change laws in order to not have a conversation about race is just wrong, and it's downright offensive.
Abolition Today. All right, you just heard Tennessee State Representative London Lamar, and that was followed by the Bozeman Race Jones. Uh, the video for Race Jones is just phenomenal. So you want to check out the video on our page at Abolition Today or either on our music playlist under Abolitionist Music at our YouTube page. Uh, you could just click that and then let everything else play. Trust me, you love it. Uh, Yusuf, you there? I'm here. It's one of my new favorite tracks now, man. I have to go <laughs> check out the video. Yeah, it's, it's very powerful. I, I don't even want to describe it for people. Just go ahead and check it out. B. Bozeman, Race Jones. You can find it right now at Abolition Today on Facebook, as well as on our Abolitionist Music playlist uh, on YouTube. So, <clears throat> Tennessee State Representative London Lamar was not playing, man, and Tennessee is a freaking problem with the KKK founders bus right there in uh, the uh, main uh, building, Capitol building, uh, with them Mm -hmm. having four senators vote in favor of keeping slavery, voted against abolishing slavery. Still got the bill passed, though, uh, in Tennessee, but they had four people that voted against abolishing slavery. They've also got core civics stationed right there in Tennessee the largest mm-hmm. for-profit private prison, um, and they have a history of the, you know, with the Klan. And we know a lot of that is still involved. So right. she's got a lot she's fighting against, and they are railing against critical race theory. They, they don't want the truth of race in any way, and America's involvement in, this, in slavery and all the things that they've done through which were race-based. They don't want any of that taught in school. They don't want the truth taught because it will kill their idols. You said a lot right there, Max, because, uh, you know, George Bush's line in the sand, right? Either right. you're for or against slavery. There's no middle road. And when we go back to their reasonings for why they had voted against it. I mean, nothing could really make any sense. To them, it made sense. But it makes absolutely no sense as to why you would vote to keep slavery in your constitution. Oh, then we turn around and say, oh, okay, you're receiving campaign donations from Core Civic. Aha, now it makes sense as to why you're going to vote against it. And, of course, we are are very acutely aware now that the Republican Party has become infested with racist white supremacists and hate mongers uh, who demand idiocy be treated as legitimate opinions (laughs) and legitimate perspectives. You know, uh, that we need to compromise with them and have a discussion. So let me ask you, audience members, a question. If you're listening and you got an answer, feel free. Call us at 515-605-9814 and give me the answer, all right? But if you want me dead or enslaved and I don't, what's the uh, compromise we can make? What is the middle ground between you want me dead or enslaved and I don't? 
<laughs> yeah, I, I I need to hear the answer to that as well. <laughs> yeah, like there's certain things there's no compromise on. Uh, so that's what we're dealing with out there in Tennessee, and it's a harsh environment. So uh, we are trying to work through it, and i got to give all the props in the world to Representative London Lamar uh, for her efforts there. All right, what's else on the list of news that we want to report before we get to the close of our program? Anything left? I mean, you know there's tons of news, but we have so many yes. stories of so many children murdered at the hands of police officers. That's the one thing that stood out to me as I was going through the list of articles, videos, everything. It's just so many children have been murdered at the hands of police officers. Yes. Children didn't even get a That's chance. That's why we're doing what we're doing here today and foregoing our happiness in order to lend a voice to those who are not happy today. Uh, you know, they're happy to have been mothers, uh, but they are going through crimes against humanity. I mean, how else can you say it? Crimes against freaking humanity. We don't throw words around like genocide and slavery easily. They, they so I am a poet. When I say these words, they mean something to me, <laughs> you know, and to everybody who's an abolitionist, it means something to them. You know, these aren't just generalizations. We're making an actual charge of a, a real crime. And we're showing you the proof all the time, week in and week out, everywhere you look. And as they watch, the enslavers are seeing this narrative grow by leaps and bounds and challenging them at every turn, in the courts, in the streets, everywhere they look. And they're just now trying to decide how to react to it. And as I mentioned earlier in the program, one of those ways is by having these chairmen uh, deny bills that would abolish slavery from even getting a hearing. So we got 22, 21 days left for Texas, uh, and we're trying to make that happen. Call Chris Patty in Texas. Call his office, Chris Patty in Texas, and demand that he give uh, HB 51 a hearing. I think that's what it's called. Right. That's all. Give it a hearing. Give it a hearing. Give it a hearing. And I wanted to uh, reference, you know, since we mentioned uh, just so many children dying at the hands of police, and we always mention the uh, the International Declaration of Human Rights, but there's also the United Nations Convention of the Rights of the Child, which is a legally binding international agreement setting out the civil, political, economic, social, and cultural rights of every child, regardless of their race, religion, or abilities. And so there's also many violations of that as well. We can run through the, uh, the whole list. I mean, just one after the other, one after the other. And this is put out by UNICEF and the International Justice Resource Center and uh, many others that have come together on this and the United Nations. And we just see so many children gunned down by police, you know, and I'll, we always think of Tamir Rice, you know, doing what most children, especially most young boys do. You play with toy guns as, as a boy, you, you know, playing cops and robbers. And he gets gunned down in the street. 
or gun down in the park. He's in the park playing. Yes, it's a damn shame. Um, every exactly. Week, uh, we put together this, you know, our, our research, and always the largest uh, section is the Slave Catcher Chronicles. And, yeah, that's what I call it, the Slave Catcher Chronicles. Slave catcher it's all Chronicles. the police of, of brutality and murders and corruption all together. And it's always the largest chunk of everything. And, you know, I don't even try to cover it all. I, I can't. Because if I did, that's all we would ever do. And there's a bigger picture here than just these slave catchers. That's going to keep happening until we stop slavery. Uh, and, you know, so I'd rather stop the slavery and put an end to what's happening with the slave catchers. Because if you ain't got slavery, guess what else you don't need? Slave you don't need slave catchers. <laughs> exactly. Right. So, to you know, we, we don't always share all of them. Not only for that, but also for our own sanity. It's only so much blood you can wade through. Mm-hmm. Well, that covers it for the news, I guess, for the night. Uh, we'll get in. We'll do a couple final comments and then get into thanking our sponsors and close out with a very powerful bridging the gap segment uh, this week. As I said, you're going to hear Travel Rain a couple times. You'll hear her again in our bridging the gap segment. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that very powerful piece. Make sure you hang on till the end. From the beginning to the end, we always make sure that you've got something worth listening to. All right. Uh, thank you for being here with us tonight. Happy Mother's Day once again to those that are able to have one and to those that have are not able to have a happy day. Remember that uh, we're here, you know, and we try to give some voice to the issue for you. Uh, Brother Yusuf? Yes. And I uh, mirror your sentiments of happy Mother's Day to all of the mothers and just uh, peace, healing, tranquility to the mothers and fathers. But we focused on the mothers this evening because of Paloma, you know, because of being Mother's Day. But our hearts go out to all parents who lost their children. And... Yes, that's that's it. There, we're short on time. I don't want to, you know, I can go off on a on a tangent and with the quickness, but we'll definitely uh, leave it there. Thank you all for tuning in this evening. Uh, remember to subscribe to our YouTube page at youtube.com/slash/abolitiontoday for all the news, information, and music you hear on the program. Also, check out Abolition Today on all of the podcast platforms, you know, Spotify, iTunes, everywhere, you know, go dig into the archives. We've covered so many topics since March 15th of last year. So we encourage you to go listen to that. And thank you for tuning in. Uh, We'll be back on May 16th, inshallah, God willing, with another masterclass on slavery abolition. Uh, Anything else, Max? Yes, actually, we won't be back on May 16th. You're still going to be at the bunker, and I'll be uh, hosting the Paul Cuffey Abolitionist Center event for First Strokes, where we're putting the first strokes of the mural on the wall here at the center with our fantastic, amazing painter and abolitionist, Thomas the Younger Washington. So that'll happen the 16th, but we're going to have something special to play for you. It just won't 
have a host to it. So I uh, still tune in on the 16th. Yes, thank you for that reminder. So we'll All get right, right into the uh, bridging well, the gap, let's, as Max let's explained. Give a quick shout out to our sponsors, as always. Jailhouse Lawyers Speak, uh, I Am We, Ubuntu Prison Advocacy Network, <clears throat> Paul Cuffey Abolitionist Center, Prismatic Dreams, as well as our uh, partner simulcasting us right now, the Black Talk Radio Network. Uh, did I, oh, and same urge, uh, quick as uplifting racial justice. So there yes. you go. So there we have it. It's been a pleasure, Max. I'll speak to you during the week, of course. And we're going into our Bridging the Gap, Tribal Reign, A Plea for the Oppressed, Lucy Stanton, Eden Inspiration, Sounds of Freedom, featuring Lizzie Ladigan and Alton Eugene. So until next week, think about abolition today. Peace and blessings be upon you all. Peace. Abolition. 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 Death breathes upon the flower and is gone. Now thou canst feel for the slave mother, who is bent with the same interest over her child, whose heart is entwined around it even more firmly than thine own around thine. For to her, it is the only ray of joy in a dreary world. She returns weary and sick at the heart from the labors of the field. The child's beaming smile of welcome half banishes the misery of her lot. Would she not die for it? Ye who knows the depths of a mother's love, answer. Hark, strange footsteps are near her dwelling. The door is thrown rudely open. Her master says, there's the woman. She comprehends it all. She is sold. From her trembling lips escape the words, my child. She throws herself at the feet of those merciless men and pleads permission to keep her babe, but in vain. What is she more than any other slave that she should be permitted this favor? They are separated. Sister, have you ever had a kind and loving brother? How often would he lay aside his book to relieve you from some difficulty? How, ha- how have you hung upon the words of wisdom that he has uttered? How earnestly have you studied that you might stand his companion, his equal? You saw him suddenly stricken by the destroyer, and oh, how your heart ached. There was a slave girl who had a brother kind and noble as your own. He had scarcely any advantages, yet stealthily would he draw an old volume from his pocket and through the long night would pour over its contents. His soul thirsted for knowledge. He yearned for freedom, but free soil was far away. That sister might not go, he stayed with her. They say that slaves do not feel for or love each other. I fear that there are few brothers with a pale face who would have stood that test. For her, he tamed the fire in his eyes, toiled for that which profited him not, and labored so industriously that the overseer had no apology for applying the lash to his back. Time passed on. 
That brother stood in his manhood's prime as tenderly kind and as dearly loved as ever. That sister was insulted. The lash was applied to her quivering back. Her brother rushed to save her. He tore her away from the fastenings which bound her to the whipping post. He held her on his arm. She was safe. She looked up encountered the ferocious glaze of the overseers, heard the report of a pistol, felt the heart's blood of a brother gushing over her. But we draw the veil. Mother, sister, by thy own deep sorrow of heart, by the sympathy of thy woman's nature, plead for the downtrodden of thy own, of every land, and still the principles of love, of common brotherhood in the nursery, in the social circle. Let these be the prayer of thy life. Christians, you whose souls are filled with love for your fellow man, whose prayer to the Lord is, oh, that I might see the salvation among the children of men. Does the battle wax warm? Dost thou faint with the burden and heat of the day? Yet a little longer, the arm of the Lord is mighty to save those who trust in him. Truth and right must prevail. The bondsman shall go free. Look to the future. Hark, the shout of joy gushes from the heart of earth's freed millions. It rushes upward. The angel on heaven's outward battlements catch the sound on the golden lyres and send it trilling through the echoing arches of the upper world. How sweet, how majestic. From those starry isles float these deep, inspiring sounds of the oceans of space. Softened and mellowed, they reach earth, filling the soul of harmony and breathing of God, of love, and of universal freedom. Darkness has to pass. The light has come at last. And we will take our stand with open hearts and willing hands. And we will see freedom for all. Tell the prison walls to fall. We'll respond and hear their call, oh, 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 and we will not stop till we see every precious one of these, rescue from the slavery, let it bring us to our knees, to our knees, for their victory. Oh, 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 